Hello and welcome to Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers with A-Leaf ISD. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we're going to visit on a, on a topic, an issue that uh, there's no one on planet Earth that's not familiar or not aware of the, the impact of technology, all parts of technology, all aspects of technology, and how that's impacted every one of our daily lives, both personally and professionally. Uh, today, we're going to talk about on the professional side in terms of educating students, uh, we're going to talk an isolation about a, a way in which technology has been used in the past and a growing demand for it to be used that way in the future. And that is, I'm going to use some simple terms and we'll let these ladies give you a better, better definition of it. But we're going to talk about what is it like for a, a student to be in a classroom that's not really your traditional classroom. And how can a t- student in one school district in one city be taught by a teacher in another school district in another city and perhaps somewhere clean across the country. So we're going to talk about how kids, uh, this changing evolution of teaching and how technology is impacting that and some things that Ailey ISD has been doing and will continue to do and even potentially be growing into uh, as we move forward in trying to meet the demands and the expectations of our kids. So i got three ladies here that are extremely well-versed in it, uh, much more than I am. I uh, have Miss Debbie Vincent, we have Miss Pam Lowe, and we have Miss Kathy Yon, all from our curriculum and our digital leadership team. I'll let them introduce themselves and their title, and then we'll get started. So, Debbie, if you don't mind introducing yourself and kind of what do you do? Thank you very much. Uh, I am the digital learning curriculum uh, specialist, and I'm responsible for overseeing all of the online learning that our students do both here in A-LEAF, as well as the students um, outside of A-LEAF across the state of Texas. And I really appreciate you giving us the opportunity to share our successes with our students who are taking online courses because we have a lot to be satisfied about. Very good. And we're going to talk more about that as we get into this conversation. We will. Thank you. Pam? Um, Good morning. I'm Pam Lowe. I'm the director of the digital learning department, and my department is in charge of our library program, um, our instructional technology, digital learning, as well as our virtual learning program. So I'm also excited to be here today uh, and can't wait for the conversation. Perfect. And Kathy. And I'm Kathy Yon. I'm the executive director of curriculum and instruction, and I have the luxury of working um, both with this team and with our K-12 content coordinators and um, bringing different curriculum options to our students. And so I'm super excited about sharing what we've been doing um, so far um, with the distance learning and the digital learning pieces. Very good. So let's let's start. Let's just jump into it. And, and uh, I've asked Debbie uh, to perhaps let's to be as clear as possible on what we're talking about. In other words, using layman's terms uh, or using terms that HD would understand. <laughs> <laughs> If I can understand it, then most people listening to this are going to understand it. But seriously, what are we talking about? What When we say distance learning or virtual learning or whatever we're talking about, what does that look like so the, the person, the people listening understand what we're talking about? So what we're talking about is um, in 2007, our state legislators wanted to give equitable access to really strong courses. And so they developed legislation that brought in the Texas Virtual School Network. That's what it created. Um, The Texas Virtual School Network allowed receiver districts and providers, so there's two different players in the field, to put out high-quality online courses. And the Texas Virtual School Network actually looks at every single course 
to make sure that they are aligned 100% with the TEKS, um, with iNACL standards, which are online learning standards, and accessibility, so that any student who takes an online course has access to the highest quality course out there. Um, some would say that they're even more rigorous than a face-to-face -face course. So a lot of people are familiar with, like, online colleges. They're everywhere. They are. So describe to a parent who may be listening to this, what does that look like for their student? I mean, what is their student sitting at home at a monitor? Are they sitting in a classroom? I mean, what might that look like around, around this if I'm a student in ALEF ISD? Okay, if I'm a student in ALEF ISD, I am going to be taking these courses outside of our regular school day. So I could be sitting at a library. I can be sitting in a coffee shop. I can be sitting at home in front of a monitor. We also have some kids that actually take their courses on their phones. Wouldn't be my preferred way to do it, but they can do that. Um, there is a real teacher on the other end of this course. So there is somebody for them to always be in contact with. If they needed a tutor, they could go for an online tutor. We have the, that service available as well. So they can be anywhere. We've had kids in the summer that have traveled outside of the United States and continue to take their coursework. Debbie, talk about why a child might choose to take this kind of course and since it's outside of their regular plan day. So originally, when ALEAF jumped into the playground of online learning, it was to look at our CTE students who were going to have practicums their junior and senior years. And so we were trying to open up space in their schedule, which meant that they were going to have to take some coursework or pre-coursework outside of the school day so that they'd have space to go do their work programs and things like that. As the program has evolved, we have athletes, musicians who want to increase their time in those coursework areas, and so they're taking. We've had a couple of students who were gymnastics and would travel around the United States mm -hmm. for their different sporting events, and they needed more flexibility in their schedule so that they never missed a beat right. um, with what their coursework was. Kind of, you mentioned earlier, you kind of alluded to Leaf kind of jumped into this little, this, this world of, of basically classrooms wherever you are, mm -hmm. as long as you have access to the internet, mm -hmm. basically. What, what's the history? I mean, is there, you know, kind of where we started and kind of how, you, how, do, you, how do you see us progressing as, to, as far as where we are right now? So we jumped in in 2009 right. um, because you needed to be able to offer online courses in this catalog, the Texas Virtual Network catalog. We partnered at the time with Connections Learning, which is now owned by Pearson, and we offer about 64 different courses, which is, in the scheme of things is an extensive course list. I mean, we offer a full high school graduation program if you wanted to go through online. We also have dual credit courses that mm -hmm. students can take. We have AP courses. Um, the important thing for our parents to know is that all of our courses are NCAA aligned. So for our students who are in sports programs and planning for after high school, our courses qualify and are accepted by NCAA. As our program has grown, we've looked at as small as 100 students a semester to now we are serving inside ALEAF at least 300 students each semester. And those are 
great numbers. We certainly want to look at more, and I'm looking at branching the program to some of our uh, pregnancy program students who are having to leave education right now. Um, I know that we have some students who have to work uh, and make difficult decisions about whether they come to school or they go to work right. to support their families. And so we're looking at how can we serve those students and still give them the opportunity to graduate. Have you seen the, in terms of the, the type of student, is it, if students who are just, they don't want to go through the school day, they would prefer to, to take their courses online? I mean, because there's extenuating circumstances mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you just described. Right. Uh, and then there may be the kid who, I just don't like the structure of going to school seven periods a day and eating lunch and, you know, doing all the things that typically goes to a high school. Have we seen a growth with that type of kid that's just looking for a different option? We we have seen a growth. I've heard um, from many different families and students that they would much prefer to have the option of attending a full-time virtual school uh, in which they could receive all of their credits and still manage their life outside. Sometimes they haven't felt comfortable for lots of different reasons. Many of those reasons are actually medical anxiety, Mm -hmm. not feeling comfortable in a brick and mortar. The other thing that's um, unique to an online environment is the student's ability to move at whatever rate they want to move. So in a regular classroom, the teacher kind of sets the pace. In an online world, the student sets the pace. So if they know a concept and they're comfortable with it, they can move at whatever rate they want to. Um, There certainly are a definite beginning and a definite ending but they can move within that span wherever they want. And the fact that it's customizable, yes. um, if there is a standard that um, I didn't perform very well on and I want to re, re-look at that standard to really own it, mm-hmm. the capability is there. So the flexibility, the choice that students and parents have in the, in the online environment is, is another reason why so many students are choosing to take take online courses. I really think the work that we've put in um, since House Bill 5 got passed with students kind of choosing those pathways that they're interested in, it in some ways has put them in a path where they might not have been able to take all of the things they wanted to take. And so this gives them the luxury of opting into a course that they couldn't take during their actual school day here at school, but that they still showed an interest in possibly learning about that they can add to their to their transcript. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to assume that as it's grown in A-Leaf, it's grown across the state. And, and you mentioned earlier, and I don't know if you guys want to speak to this, but we, we, we've been talking about the A-Leaf student who mm-hmm. can benefit from it. Someone talk about other students across the state who are benefiting from what A-Leaf is doing. Absolutely. I'll, I'll speak to that. Um, since 2009, um, A-Leaf ISD has actually served 334 districts across the state. And our growth in our numbers of those students that we have been serving, it is 434% growth. So now we're serving 1,200 students across the state of Texas uh, in our fall and our spring uh, semesters. And Debbie talked about the success of our A-Leaf students because we 
we have a high, high, high success rate. Um, we also have a high success rate of our students across the state, um, the, the way that they're passing the courses. So we've seen 85 to 95 percent success rate in the completion of our courses. So um, we're working extremely hard to reach out and ensure that students across the state in the virtual environment are successful as well. So if I'm listening to this, we have ALEF ISD students who can sit in a, somewhere mm-hmm. and take courses, and the evidence is they've been very successful. But we also have students across the state of Texas, some 1,200 or so that you mentioned, who are sitting in classrooms or somewhere, somewhere. taking courses being taught by ALEF staff. They're not actually being taught by ALEF staff. They're being taught by the Connections teachers, but they are all Texas-certified teachers. And you said this earlier, um, just because they're Texas-certified teachers doesn't mean that they necessarily live in Texas. We have teachers that live in Boston, in Florida. They live all over the United States, but they work. I think one of the things that we attribute a lot of the success to is the fact that They work very hard to make connections with students. They really personalize. They talk to the students. Just because it's an online world, um, they do live lessons in which kids can actually see, physically see the teachers. Um, They make phone calls on regular basis. So there is someone that they actually can see. Debbie, I believe you're the big liaison between all of the people from out of district that partner with us because we're a host district. Um, Debbie is often the first line of communication with parents or students who are struggling to keep up the pace or to make good decisions about the courses that they take. And so really Debbie's instrumental in that. Um, that communication to make sure that anyone that's coming in either as an A-LEAF participant or as an out-of-district but coming because we're the Texas SVN host, um, there's a lot of communication pieces to that, and Debbie keeps that going pretty strong. Well, I see just because they're they're outside of A-LEAF, they're still my kids. Yes. Um, As well as the A-LEAF kids. So I take personal ownership in making sure we're delivering the highest quality educational experience for all of these kids. And if something is not working, then I'm on top of why it's not working and trying to help those students be successful. Someone talk a little bit about the requirements, I guess, addressing the issue of just because you're taking courses through the online environment, you're still responsible for state assessments, for example, and you're still responsible for for things that every other student who may be in a traditional classroom. Someone want to kind of speak to that? So our students that take any of the core areas that would be tested on state assessment, even if they're taking it through this virtual platform, they would still be required to come and sit for a test. And so they would come to a site throughout the area in which they reside. They would report to a testing site on a particular day. And so we would still measure whether they have, you know, the knowledge and skills needed for an EOC or for a content exam in three through eight. Mm -hmm. So it does not excuse them from growth measures and progress, but it does allow them to learn in a way that's most advantageous to them and still holds them accountable for their learning. Um, The students that are across the state of Texas go back to their home school. So one of the big distinctions between the students we serve in the state of Texas versus the students we serve here in A-Leaf, we do not give the students across the state of Texas 
the credit. We give that district a report card or grade report how the child has done. It's the responsibility of that student's campus to award them the credit and the GPA and all of that part. On their transcript. On their transcript. Inside our district, um, we do the same. Our online courses are treated just like they would be a face-to-face. They count towards UIL. They count towards GPAs. If it's an EOC-tested course, they take the test at our home campus, wherever they are. They're going to take the test. Um, AP is the same thing for districts outside of they have to administer their own AP test, and we administer our own. And very similar to what we do with regular progress notes and things like that, um, as Debbie notices, kids who may not be making progress or have stopped completing assignments and things like that, there's a communication tool in place to not allow a child to fail. And and that part of that is the reason that we do have high success rates is because there is constantly an adult monitoring mm-hmm. the success of our learners. You know, things happen, kids get behind, a stressful event happens, and, and that online piece might just be too much for me tonight, but we're making sure that you're getting back on track and keeping up with the pace. Because like Debbie said, there's a clearly defined timeline in which to complete the work. Yes, you can pace within those timelines, but there's a definite end to uh, the course that we have to ensure the child's done all of the assignments. I think that the the message that I think is trying to be delivered is that it is a rigorous course. And mm-hmm. there are, there are um, benchmarks, if you will, to, to make sure that occurs, whether it's, whether it's in the course exam or any any other form of assessment. And I think a lot of parents or a lot of adults sometimes, I do this. I look at some of these colleges that are all online and I just question. I said, well, what kind of experience is the student really getting online? But because particularly in the K-12 world, it's Mm -hmm. such a rigorous expectation and they're held to the same standards that a kid sitting in a classroom is. As a superintendent, it gives me more comfort, I guess, in knowing that the educational academic experience is, is very similar. It's just delivered differently. That's correct. And some of us old timers sometimes have to kind of get over that, right? We got We do. Kids kids learn differently and it, I think it's our responsibility to make that really clear to students that this isn't a, a an easy out no, to attending no, class. No. It Very is rigorous. it is a flexible option for you, but it is definitely not um, it doesn't expect less of you. They're not credit restoration courses. Mm-mm. This is first credit that's a good work. point. That's a good yeah. point. This is not trying to make up for lost time. This no, is, we have a program no. for that, but this uh, is not it. This is not it. And in our, our time in the distance learning world, students have actually earned 7,300 credits uh, across the state for their transcripts. So that is a, a great number. I think the success of our program is embodied in the meaningful relationships and meaningful work motto that we have as a district. And again, our informal surveys that the students take from across the state, um, it shows that they're passing their end of course exams. So we, we want to keep the program growing. What's the success rate? Like 95 percent? ninety. For for across the state, we're sitting between the 85-90 mark. Okay. And I liken that to a public school. We don't know and we can't control who we get. So a really good example is we have districts that cannot get teachers. They just can't. Mm -hmm. So they're putting students into our online courses because they know there's a teacher on the other end. They know that the course rigor is good, Mm -hmm. but they're not always online learners that are prepared but they don't have another option. So they're looking 
for that. To have an 85 to 90 percent success rate with students that you don't get to pick is an excellent success rate, in my opinion. So that's a good point. This is not a selective cherry picking. We're only going to take the kids who can demonstrate they can learn online or that's a very good point. Someone mentioned about the uh, the cost, the flow of money, the because this is not it's not free. Absolutely. So how, how, how does that work? To A Leaf students, we do offer the courses for free, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. Right. But for the district, we do earn uh, money in both. And what, what would we say? Tickets. Mm-hmm. for our students to take online courses, as well as a financial piece. So districts pay $375 a course per child. And so part of that money goes to our partnership with Connections, mm-hmm. um, but part of that money also stays here in Leaf. And so we've earned up to $235,000 a year, and that money is put back for our A-LEAF students to take online courses so that there's no charge for our, our own students. The money that we, and I'm going to use these terms very loosely, so I don't want anybody to think we're making a profit over them. No, over we're this. not. But the money that a non-A-LEAF student is charged through their district or whoever's paying for it. Correct. That money comes to A-LEAF. We use, part, part of it is to pay the provider connections mm-hmm. to actually deliver the instruction. And then part of it comes to us for the oversight and the, man, the monitoring and the managing and making sure things are taken care of. And we use that money so that our students don't have to pay the $375. Right. That is or, correct. Or as a district, we don't. We recycle any type of profit, per se, into ability for our students mm-hmm. to take without cost. To invest in our students. It's an important point. You get caught up in the actual program and the actual students taking the course, but you don't Sometimes the, the the money part of this, there's companies out there that are they're having a charge for their services. So I was just going to add that we advertise in in catalogs across the state, so districts and principals and counselors know the courses that we offer. And just wanted to hit home the point about Debbie talking about maybe smaller districts or districts that are in a rural environment, and oftentimes they may not have a certified teacher in a particular area. And allowing their students to plug into this virtual school network really opens the door of access for courses that they would not be able to take. And I know one of the courses that's really popular right now is American Sign Language. Mm -hmm. That's definitely a course that it's very popular with our students and students across the state. So uh, just the access to high quality teachers that are certified, access to rigorous curriculum, access to AP courses or dual credit courses that district may not be able to offer because they don't have the staff members. This virtual learning world has opened the door of opportunity for so many students across the state. Where does this go from here? It's come a long way since 2007, 2009, to Debbie's credit. Absolutely. But I heard you say early on that, and correct me if I'm wrong, that a, a student could go through their high school career, if you will, and graduate high school and meet the requirements of every other high school student online if they chose to. That is correct. That's different to a lot of us, right? I mean, it it's, is. It, it's, and it, I think there's going to be more and more of it. And quite frankly, there's a lot of people out there that would support more and more of that of it because some students, that's what they that's where they would thrive. That's, that would be their choice, right? That would be. 
So I think what the, what's next for us is really exploring what kind of flexible options do we need to have for students and knowing that this is something that we can offer our students without a cost. It is flexible and meets their learning needs. It, it can be customized to them. Do we need to offer this as an option for our high school students? We know that they're still going to sit for their exams. We know that it's not going to take away any level of rigor that they might need post-secondary, whether that's workforce, whether that's a college setting or a junior college setting. And so do we want to explore the option of putting this out there as yet another option for our students? We talk about making sure that students have choice. And this, to me, seems like a very viable, rigorous choice for kids to learn and get their high school diploma and offer them opportunities to still follow their interest pathways while meeting the graduation requirements. And still participating in any activity or extracurricular event that they would absolutely, choose to, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So this is not a exclusive to students who choose not to participate in something. They, they could experience the high school experience, if you will, just taking classes in different environments. Mm -hmm. And the other piece of that is we we have a system in place that we've already shown a track record of success for students. So we wouldn't be going into this um, opportunity blindly. We would know that these are the things that have to happen for students to be successful. And I think we've already shown, you know, in the past 10 years that we have what it takes to help students be successful and that we we know kind of the steps to make sure that we keep kids engaged in the learning the entire time. And speaking of kids, we're getting ready to talk to a student. Yes. yes. Um, and so um, I appreciate uh, what y'all have done. I, I'm, I'm curious to hear the, the student's perspective because I have not talked to her. Not, this, this will be an interesting Well, you know, you always learn when you ask, <laughs> when you ask out of the mouth of the child. You, right. you learn the truth. That's right. That's what you learn. You um, learn the truth. I want to add that for our A-Leaf virtual program, we have had tremendous success. It is all attributed to Debbie's hard work. She has created a system and a structure that is tried and true. And um, when our campuses follow that system, which 100% of them do, we have tremendous results. So also not only the student is here, but one of our distance learning facilitators is here as well. So she'll be able to talk about that system and that structure. Um, so we're excited that you're going to uh, visit with them as well. Perfect. Well, let's move into that. Con- let's move into that portion of the conversation. Great. Thank you, guys. Okay. Thank, you. Thank you. We just finished a conversation uh, with the adults in Ailey ISD that are kind of responsible for not only what we're doing now with online learning and teaching and learning, but kind of where are we going? What are the next steps? We've been joined by a student who is actually benefited from this from online and she'll have an opportunity to talk about that and what was appealing to her and and maybe even share some advice for other kids out there that may be listening to this. Also have one of our librarians, our media specialist, who's a facilitator. Miss Vincent earlier had mentioned that there's adults always paying attention to this. It's just not kids doing their own thing whenever they want. And and Miss Lopez is one of those individuals. So if you don't mind, I'd like for you guys to introduce yourself real quick. And then we'll we'll jump into this conversation. But so uh, so Olga, if you don't mind, I'm Olga Lopez. I'm at uh, the librarian at Hastings High School, and I'm also the facilitator for the online program. Thank you. Uh, my name is Alexandra. I am a senior at Hastings, and I took four online classes. You took four of them. Yes. Good. So we've got a ki- we got a kid here. We got a student who's taken the courses, and maybe for other students who may listen to this, 
maybe clarify what what does it take to become or be eligible for this and uh, all that goes along with us identifying kids who may be successful with online Thank you. So uh, what I want our families to know in A-LEAF is that we actually serve grades 8 through 12 as long as the student is taking a course that is for high school credit. So in the summer times, we see quite a few 8th graders who are first-time learners who want to knock out some of their coursework before they enter the actual high school classroom. Uh, They take courses like health and some of their languages. Um, As long as it's given high school credit, we can take them. For a student to get into it, all they really need to do is talk to their school counselor. Um, Their school counselor will look at their graduation plan and see where they can plug in some online courses or where they would be appropriate. And they sit down and make that plan with their students. We also look at a student's, in ALEAF, we look at a student's GPA because we know how rigorous these courses are. So we're looking for a strong candidate to help them reach their goals. We do understand there are special circumstances. We get kids from across the United States as well as across the world who come to us without GPAs because that's not how they're measured. So we look at every student on a case-by-case basis to make sure that they understand what they're committing to because these courses, again, do count towards a GPA and towards UIL qualifications. So we want to make sure that they can be successful and we will help support that success. Alexandra, what was your primary reasoning for wanting to to take online courses? Well, in my case, I transferred from a different district. Once I transferred here, a lot of my credits didn't transfer with me as well. So it was, I had to take these options to take the online classes to be able to graduate in time. Did you graduate in the middle of your high school career? You, so you earned a bunch of credits at your previous high school that didn't transfer into, the, into A-Leaf? Yeah. Did you come from another state? or? Yeah, just, I came from a different state. Texas sometimes is like that. <laughs> <laughs> when you were presented with this option, had you ever taken online courses before? or were no. you? Um, my old school didn't provide okay. even an option for this. So me being, when my counselor told me, you have an option also to take online classes, well, I took advantage of those. Did you find yourself taking classes during the non-traditional school day, being taught at night or on the weekends, or did you find yourself mostly during the school day just using the online platform? um, How I managed to do it, I would pace myself because I still had online work, regular classwork, and I also worked part-time. So it's more like... I would make some days for my regular schoolwork, but I also would do some days for online classwork. Right. Instead of having a structured school day every day, you're having to manage <laughs> yeah. with flexibility three things at, three the, same at time. the same time. Mm-hmm. But she is going to school all day mm-hmm. and yeah. then doing this work outside. However, she can sneak into the library during lunch or come early and work on her coursework. You're a busy young lady. She is. <laughs> Olga, your, your role as a facilitator, earlier we with Pam and, and Kathy, it was mentioned several times about the, the monitoring to ensure that there's rigor and that there's actual learning happening, and it's not just an opportunity to, to avoid the classroom. Kind of talk about your role 
and, and how you ensure that from your perspective and, and how you see kids react to that. Okay, so my role is pretty interesting in the sense that obviously I want the students to complete the work and be successful. That's goal number one. Uh, but before they get to that point, I need to build a relationship with the students. And I do it before the class even begins. I call in students. I make sure that I have contact information for them so that I can actually reach out to them if they need uh, a little push here and there. Once the class starts, I obviously monitor their progress. If they've fallen a little behind, I try to figure out what I can do to help them. Sometimes it's as simple as helping them navigate the platform. Uh, sometimes the kids will find like maybe something that's a little difficult for them mm-hmm. to figure out, and that's it. They want to quit. Right. So just me sitting with them and telling them, look, let's take a look at this folder, see what's in there, that kind of thing. A lot of the times their computer breaks, and that's it. Yeah. And they can't stay after school, so they stop doing any kind of work. So when I finally figure out that that's the problem, I can provide a laptop for them. They can check one out from the library, and they can keep going. Mm. And sometimes it's just communication. Uh, They have questions. They don't know how to figure it out. Uh, They don't want to come to me because they're embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Um, Once I pull them in, um, I say, okay, so now we got to ask your teacher because there's an instructor on the other side. And it's just sometimes as simple as formulating an email. Okay, let's ask this question so that you can get a better grade. Or they can reopen a quiz that maybe you missed, you didn't see it. Um, So sometimes it's just as simple as that. But just knowing that I'm there to help them uh, usually gets them through the end of the class. So. And for the most part, they're all very successful. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to a kid in a classroom. He very similar. Comes down to Miss Lopez and says, "Miss Lopez, very similar. I need some help." Yeah, <laughs> right. Very similar. Very yeah. similar. And I think that's the misconception: is that a student is afraid of taking a class that they've never taken before, and not knowing that there's a support system. So once they figure out that okay, there's somebody there I can actually ask. And then they're more prone to go ahead and enroll for these distance learning classes and take them. As she was saying, you actually do build a relationship with, like, they tell you, okay, you had to be on time. They remind you. They give you advice if any help you need. With my case, my computer broke down, mm-hmm. and then she was able to provide one for me, and I was able to check it out from the library. And when it was, like, the first classes, there was also technical problems, and she's able to help you out you know, contact and help you finish your class. She was able to take her French class and did very well the first part, uh, the first semester, that she wanted to take the second semester. So when we talk about personalized learning and being able to move at your own pace, so she finished French 1 or 2A Mm -hmm. in, let's say, eight weeks, Mm -hmm. and she was ready to take the 2B part. So just by knowing that she could, Olga reached out and said, can we get her into that course? And we did. So she's had a full year's course in a semester's amount of time. And so it helps to know that you can go to somebody and ask for, can I do this? And the potential is there for it to happen. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, I know there's other students, there's lots of other students that take courses for a lot of different reasons, you know, some because of similar to yours, but others just for whatever the reason. Yeah. What are your takeaways, or have you found it to be meaningful? Have you found it to be? I know it helped you out. You were in a bind, right? You got moved to another state. You're in a bind. You got to graduate high school. Yeah. So obviously, it was helpful in that regard. 
But I'm just curious as to, from a, from a student's perspective, if you had it to do over again, would you start taking online courses even if you weren't in a bind? Did you, have you found them to be that beneficial? Or? Well, yeah. I mean, you should take advantage of them. You're able to get these classes out of the way while still being in regular class in your classroom. Right. Have you enjoyed it? Yeah, I did. <laughs> it was a well different type of learning, different environment. Were, were you nervous? Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious about the instructors on the other side. Um, well, in the beginning, they introduce themselves. You get like a little introductory, like they give you your like instructions on how to complete the class. They tell you don't take this course, take this course. You get to contact them anytime. You have their phone number. You have what times they're in office. You have their email address. And then there's even an option where you can like set up a a meeting with them. Like a tu- tutorial almost? Yeah. yeah. So they're on the other side talking to you. You're talking back to them. And even in the screen, like let's say if you need help in math, they're able to show that math problem actually on your computer. So as I if, find that really good. As if you were in a classroom watching yeah. the teacher do it on a board, right? Yeah. And most of the teachers are very good. Um, they do have um, the best interest of the students in right. mind, and they go above and beyond, really, to reach out to the students. Or then they'll reach out to me. Right. Um, hey, you know, I haven't seen this student, you know, log in in, in such a time, and then that's when we start investigating if there's more than what we know at that moment or, and how we can help the students. So the instructors are very good as well. Gary, what courses have you taken online? I took medical terminology and I took health in French. Medical terminology online, yes. huh? <laughs> as, you, as you were taught in the course and as the instructors give you guys, do they give you tests? Do they give yeah, you exams? Yeah, you, you get tests, quizzes, discussions, and regular classwork. Just like a regular class. And there's a final, and that's where Olga comes in because all finals have to be proctored. They have to be taken in front of an adult for the fidelity of the the final exam. So Olga spends the end of her semester scheduling all of those (laughs) events. Do you find yourself... Spending a, a lot of time with the online kids, Olga, do you, is that it is a little time consuming? Yeah, a little time consuming, um, but it's very gratifying at the same time. It's nice to see a student like her, for example, be so successful. Um, and like you mentioned, she was in a bind, so mm-hmm. it's even better to know that this program has serviced the student's need. And um, it's 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 interesting to see the students evolve. Um, and how they're very afraid the first time or perhaps not doing as well. But then at the end, they're very successful. So it's kind of like a growing process for them, too. So it's fun. I like it. They become your kiddos, too, right? They do. They do. And it keeps me up on my teaching practices (laughs) as well. And not only do you get these credits for classes that you need, but you also get a more insight of your future, like in college, because a lot of college classes are online classes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that also helps prepare a student for online in college. What did you find the most challenging? What have you found to be the most challenging Um, by doing online? The most challenging for me was just getting to learn the system because you get to, there's like a lot of buttons, drop boxes, 
things like that. The logistics of navigating yeah. through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the traditional student has to figure out where the class is, has to get their own time. Yeah. All that good stuff. You're having to do the same thing, just in a different sets of challenges, different sets of learning. Well, and I would say one of the things that we've experienced with brand new online learners is the whole idea that while they're sitting at a computer and getting the information, they still need the structures in place, learning how to take notes, Mm -hmm. keeping themselves organized in a binder. And that's where our facilitators come in. You're not just going to sit in front of the screen and it's just going to absorb into you. So they still need those strategies. So whereas a classroom teacher might tell a student, pull out your notebooks, here's the notes on the board, you're going to take these notes, that's where our facilitators like Olga come in to help make sure that these kids are kind of keeping those same structures in place. But how do you transfer that skill to a virtual environment? Do you talk to other students who are taking virtual online courses? Um, Currently, I'm an AVID, and there's a lot of students like me who also take online classes and need help. Um, We help each other actually with notes, how to finish the class. And a lot of students also ask me, like, hey, how do I use this? What is your advice on how to finish this class? So not only do you, you just think that you're by yourself, at your own school you could find you know, other classmates who probably are taking the same class. Yep. So what's your advice to us? I say my advice would be staying on pace because you have no teacher nagging at you saying, do this, do that. And you have to teachers pace yourself. Nag? I didn't know teachers nag, John. <laughs> 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 well, that's why I have my facilitator. I bulldogs. So your your advice to, to kids is to stay on pace. And if you get nagged, don't just listen to the listen and to then them. well don't be afraid that you're think you're doing this by yourself but you also have people like Olga helping you out giving you advice if you need technical problem issues there's like help for that what is your advice to me I'm the superintendent <laughs> do you do you, would, do you think that we should be offering more online courses should we be doing definitely is there is there a demand for it do kids want it well, in your opinion, there's a lot of kids who don't even know it exists. Right. So there sh- I feel like there should be more insight that kids have this option because there's kids who, like me. They're like, OK, I'm going to just drop out. I have not enough credits. I don't know what to do. But it's like, no, you have other resources. You can finish that class while still being in regular school. There's a lot of resources for you out there that students don't know about. So communication from us to students is yeah. is important. Do you find the the idea of taking online courses and also still being part of a traditional high school and getting to experience all the things you get to experience in high school, is that important to you? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm more into the school, yeah, like college. So for me, it's like yeah. getting to know about that. I'm curious how long have you been a facilitator for online? Since the program rolled out, um, I was one of the first ones okay. to sign up to to be a facilitator. So I want to say maybe five years. Mm-hmm. Isn't that correct? Even in five years, you've seen some obviously some growth in it. Absolutely. And I see the value in it. Even with my own student at college, he was totally lost when he was forced to take an online class. He had never been exposed to it. So, you know, being exposed to is absolutely fabulous, I think. I would love to see every student have the opportunity to at least do some kind of basic class, but that teaches them how to navigate this whole entire system which is really the future. It is. It is. And there's a, there's a lot of support, a lot of emphasis on online learning. That means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But if you keep it under the foundation of what 
Debbie and others have talked about was how hard she and others have worked to make sure it's not a fluff off, right? You just It's not a way to get out of doing something that's more difficult. I actually would say that it's even a little bit more rigorous um, in certain cases and, or in most cases, really. Um, and it also teaches, it's not only about completing a class online, but it's the other skills that are involved mm-hmm. while you're doing the class. You know, those soft skills, that communication piece that a lot of our students are not comfortable with doing. Yep. So there's a lot more things built in, I think, than just completing the assignment and just uh, completing the course. Right. So. In a traditional classroom, you know, a student can raise their hand. And there's an adult who will pretty much answer that question. Um, And if the student doesn't articulate the question, then the adult is trying to kind of figure out what is it they're asking. In the online world, the student has to learn how to come up with their question and put it in an email. Students today are great at texting, but they don't know how to communicate further than generalized. So that's one soft skill. Other soft skills are being proactive in terms of budgeting your time. Mm -hmm. The other part of that is when they come to a place that they are struggling, what are their options? Being able to think, okay, I can go here, I can go here, I can go here. They don't get to just stop. And so those are really valuable skills and skills that our, our businesses are asking our kids to come out with. And this is one way that our kids can build and develop those skills. There once was a small movement where they were talking about having every high school student take at least one online course in preparation for that possible post-secondary experience. Um, there are lots of companies out there that the minute they hire you know, a student, they put them in an online class yeah. to learn their processes. So the more that we can expose our kids to those experiences, I think we're setting them up for success after they leave us. Because these online classes, they they help you pace yourself, like independent study. So it's like how she was saying, it would be a nice thing if there would be required to help mm-hmm. these students get those skills. And I'm assuming when you first started taking these, you didn't realize you were going to get all that, right? <laughs> you were just trying to get out of a bind. Right? <laughs> yeah. Ms. Lopez, I asked Alexandra, what advice would you give us, I mean, in terms of next steps? We, earlier we talked about general next steps about trying to grow it. What what would you suggest that we keep in mind from your perspective? Other than the kid, you're, you're right there with them. Like I said, I would love to see every student in our district be exposed to some form of a distance learning class. I think that will be very beneficial. And just to piggyback on what Debbie said, the corporate world now, most of their trainings are online. It's modules that they have to complete and they track it. So I I can only see how, how beneficial this would be for everybody, whether they pursue college or just, you know, any other type of career, because most of the licensing programs are also done that way. So, so I could see great benefit in it. I would love to see the program grow. Well, I think that's probably going to happen. Good. So Yay. We, we, so. <laughs> Very excited. The, the board uh, just recently had a conversation with Pam and the digital learning team about, or Pam in particular did a presentation to the board, but the conversation around that, there was several questions uh, and comments of support for virtual distance learning. 
and like most, we're not, we don't all include myself. We're not all 100% sure of all the details that go into that. But we, but we know the experience based on the things you guys have said is meaningful and valuable. And I think as a district, it's incumbent upon us to keep looking at ways and to, to give kids choices. Whether it's something like Alexandria experience where she's coming in and she's we got a problem. We got we got to solve a problem here. Or it's the student who just for whatever reason wants to take courses online. And they don't want to go through their traditional school day. So there's a, there's a lot of, of work to be done as we as we kind of move through this. But I, I think the economy is going to demand it of us. We're not going to have any choice. It's going to, it's going to be an expectation. So anything to add? I'm, I'm extremely grateful for you guys spending time talking about this. This is probably won't be the last time we talk about it as we progress. Is there anything that, that you would like to share that... And, and I mentioned first with the first group, there's people, there's parents listening to this. There's going to be kids listening to this. Uh, and then there's people from all over the country and all over the world that listen to us. Is there, is there anything that, that you think is important to share that you have not had a chance to talk about or we haven't talked about? <laughs> She's wondering. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys again. It's, it's, been, it's been a good, a good conversation. And, um, and for those out there listening, again, whether you're a parent, a student, uh, or just a, an interested taxpayer who's wondering what's going on with technology and how is it being used with today's students, uh, this is just one example, uh, a big example, but it's one example of how not only ALEAF but other districts are trying to take advantage of the technology that's available to us to further education and to further uh, provide opportunities for, for kids uh, that in some cases are required out of necessity or in some cases required out of just that's their that's their choice. That's a, what they would prefer to do. So we would welcome opportunities. So if you're a parent and you've listened to this and you're interested, I would encourage you to to visit with your son or your daughter uh, and then uh, have a conversation with their counselor and and see what's appropriate and what, what can be done to, to help them. If you're a student listening to this, uh, as Alexandra said, she, a lot of kids don't even realize this exists. So I would encourage you to, to talk to your parents, obviously, and then talk to a counselor about the, the opportunities and the options available to you. That's, uh, that's kind of where we are. We are. So uh, thank you again. Thank, thank you for you inviting too. us. You're welcome. This has been Impact Ed with Aleaf ISD. I'm H.D. Chambers. Thank you for joining us and hope you have a great rest of your day. This has been an AMP production.